In this hour, we're going to be sharing on the holy place, life and ministry. We call it the holy place, life and ministry because it is a one ministry. The lampstand, the table of showbread, the altar of incense is one ministry. But we want to recap what we have been teaching here. We want to show the progression of our salvation. Because salvation is not a static experience. Salvation is a progressing experience. From the first day that our sins are forgiven until we enter into the presence of God, there is a continuing work of God that needs to be done in our lives. And God has foundational experiences for us that prepare us for the life of the holy place and the most holy place. So we want to review those experiences. So we see them in relationship to God's eternal purpose and in relationship to the kingdom of God. So in the beginning we said that the entrance to his gate was by repentance or the entrance here was circumcision, putting no confidence in the flesh. And then we come to the altar, which is a picture of Calvary. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world to receive glory and honor and power, but he was the Lamb slain to take away the sin of the world. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we are justified, or just as if we had not sinned. And through his blood, we have forgiveness of our sins. Then, as the priests prepared themselves to enter into the holy place, they stepped up between the altar and the laver. And there they removed the old garments, their street garments, from them. And after they were removed, they washed them all over in the laver. This is a picture of our water baptism. And in this laver, or in our water baptism, there is a bringing to a conclusion of the old life. And there is also a resurrection, he says in Romans 6, into a whole new life. So after they were washed all over in the labor, they stepped up between the labor and the doorway of the tent of meeting. And then they put on the priestly garments, or these white garments, the whole white garment of the priest. Once the garment was in place, the bonnet was in place, they brought out the horn of the anointing oil, and they anointed their head with oil. The oil rained down over the beard, clear down over to the hem of the garment. And they were uh, immersed in the oil, or baptized in the oil, which is a picture for us of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And that anointing is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. First John, he says, that that anointing teaches you all things. And you ought to have need of a man to teach you. That anointing teaches you all things. In Acts 10, verse 38, he said, You know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit, with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Once that anointing was in, on them and, and anointed them, clear down over, 
They stepped up here, and there they had to bring a consecration offering. And that consecration offering was in four parts. There was the sacrifice, the offering, the whole burnt offering, and the sacrifice for sin. And in um, Hebrews 10th chapter, he said that those four sacrifices speak about doing the whole will of God. He said, a body that has prepared for me to do thy will, O God. So every priest of God who approaches unto God must do the whole will of God. That's not an option. And we're all called to be priests unto God. A holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So once they had the consecration offering burned on the altar of sacrifice here, and it was completely gone, then the priest could enter through that veil into the holy place. And it was in the holy place here that they did their function. <clears throat> the, the priest functioned in this area here, behind this veil. We'll remove the veil so we can see the furniture there. <clears throat> in the holy place, there was the lampstand, which had seven lamps uh, mounted upon it. There was the table holding the showbread, and there was the altar in which they burnt incense. And these three items of furniture speak to us of the full ministry of the priest, the functioning priest. Now, you're not a priest because you call yourself a priest, or you're not a priest because we see a verse about a priest. You're a priest when you begin to function as a priest. A priest had certain functions that they had to fulfill. And these are types and shadows of a New Testament priest. In Romans 15, Paul said, I'm ministering as a priest of God, that the offerings up of the Gentiles might become acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So the New Testament priesthood is a ministering priesthood, a functioning priesthood. It's not some static thing. When we think about priests, we think about sacrifice. In the Bible, when you find priests, you find sacrifice, and you find sacrifice, you find priests. Because every sacrifice had to have a priest ministering at the altar. Now, if that was true in the Old Testament, it should be true in the New Testament. When Jesus Christ offered himself at Calvary, what was the priest that officiated at that altar? Was there a priest there that officiated at that altar? Because every sacrifice had to have a priest that officiated at the sacrifice. Hebrews 9, it says that he offered himself through the eternal spirit unto the Father. So it was the Holy Spirit who was officiating at the altar. Now, this priesthood preceded the priesthood of Aaron and his sons. This was the first priesthood mentioned in the Bible. In Genesis 14, we see this priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. In Hebrews chapter 7, he explains over and over about this New Testament priesthood. And this priesthood after the order of Melchizedek is a picture of the priesthood after the order of the Holy Spirit. 
And it says that Jesus Christ became a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So this priesthood at the order of Melchizedek is the New Testament priesthood. There is no more priesthood at the order of Aaron and his sons. That was done away with. And through the book of Hebrews, he explains why that priesthood had to be done away with. The reason was it couldn't bring anybody to perfection. The sacrifices couldn't bring anybody to perfection. The law could perfect nobody. The blood of bulls and goats was not able to cleanse the conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So none of these Old Testament things were sufficient to bring the believer to perfection. But he said now, through the new covenant, which has been built on better promises, God has made the provision for us to come to perfection or to completion or to full maturity. So when we're talking about the priesthood after the order of Aaron, it's only a type. It's a shadow of the reality, which is the priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. But when we look at the shadow here, we will see something of the reality that God expects from us under the new covenant. Because these things are all pictures of spiritual things. They are pictures of heavenly things, and this tabernacle is a picture of heaven itself. It says in the book of Hebrews. <clears throat> so as we study these things here, we will begin to understand something about the new covenant and how God has designed for the priesthood after Melchizedek to function. Now the first piece of furniture that we want to speak about is the lampstand. Because this lampstand had the source of light that illuminated everything in front of it. And this lampstand provided the light to illuminate the holy place, life and ministry. We're calling this the life and the ministry. Because we're speaking about the priesthood at the order of Melchizedek, we add the life and the ministry. Because ministry in the New Covenant is not just what you do. Ministry is what you are. And so it's the life that produces the ministry. It's not the ministry that produces the life. It's the life which produces the ministry. And so we're calling this the holy place life and ministry. Now, the lampstand has its relationship to the showbread and its altar of incense. So the reason this burns is to illuminate everything in front of it. Now when we give this a spiritual application, we'll see how that, that lampstand provides light or revelation for the burning of incense. The prayer and so forth that we see in the church is not incense prayer. That's something much less than incense. But there is an aspect of incense which is for the outer court or even for the people here in these tents, people outside, which we'll cover when we cover the incense altar. But tonight we want to look at this lampstand because the revelation of the lampstand is, I believe, something the church needs today. 
I think this revelation has been lost to the church. But as we read these verses in, uh, in Exodus 25, verse 31, he said, Then you shall make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand and its base and its shaft are made of hammered work. Its cups, its bulbs, its flowers shall be one piece with it. And the six branches shall go out from its sides. Three branches of the lampstand from one side, three branches of the lampstand from the other side. Three cups shall be shaped like almond blossoms in one branch, a bulb and a flower. And three cups shaped like almond blossoms in the other branch, a bulb and a flower. For six branches going out from the lampstand. And in the lampstand, four cups shaped like almond blossoms, its bulbs and its flowers. And a bulb shall be under the first pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the second pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the third pair of branches coming out of it. For the six branches coming out of the lampstand, their bulbs and their branches shall be one piece with it. All shall be one piece of hammered work of pure gold. Then you shall make its lamps seven in number, and they shall mount its lamps so as to shed light on the space in front of it. And the snuffers and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made from a talent of pure gold with all these utensils. And see that you make them after the pattern for them which was shown you on the mountain. So this lampstand was this centerpiece right here. The central shaft was called the lampstand. And then there were six branches coming out of the lampstand. And it's not clear whether they were one piece with this or not. But there were six of them with bulbs and flowers, bulbs and flowers, and so forth. And on the top, there were cups of blossoms like this. And those cups held seven lamps, which were separate from the lampstand. These were not one piece with the lampstand. But there was cups there made out of almond blossoms, and the lamps sat in those. They were removable. And those seven lamps, they took off, they filled them with oil, they put the wicks in, they trimmed the wicks, they kept the wicks trimmed so they wouldn't smoke. And from the wicks and the oil and the lamps, the flame burned and it illuminated the holy place. The outer court here is illuminated from the sun, moon, and stars. This has natural illumination. But the holy place is illuminated by the lampstand. There was no other source of light in there. It was all light had to come from these flame, seven flames of fire. In the most holy place, there was no lampstand at all. This Holy, most holy place was illuminated by the glory of God. That was all the light they needed. Just the glory of God was bright in here. Second Timothy, he says that God dwells in unapproachable light, which no man has seen or can see. So there was plenty of light in the most holy place. But these three different measures of light speak about the different levels of revelation that's in the church. Most of the, most of the believers are functioning under a natural light. 
They read a verse, they have an understanding, but it's a natural understanding. And most preaching is done through natural light. It's just a natural understanding. They take the scripture, read it, do a few verses, and, and nothing, uh, there's not much revelation that's coming except through the natural mind. And so we see that the ministry cannot begin in the outer court. The ministry has to begin in the holy place. Now we say, if somebody is repentant, is born again, we can send him to Bible school and he becomes a minister. But that's not God's pattern. God's pattern is that the priest has to enter in here first. And as after he does this ministry... Then he comes out to the altar to do that ministry. So all ministry originates in the holy place. Now it's interesting that this labor was in constant use. It wasn't a one-time thing. It was constantly being used. Because as the priest ministered in here, and then he was going to come to the altar to minister, he had to stop on the way out and wash his hands and his feet. Then he came to the altar, he ministered at the altar, and as he went back through, he had to stop and wash his hands and his feet. He had to walk, he had to wash his, his doing and his walk, both ways. Now, this speaks to us of the continual washing of the Word of God. In Ephesians 5.26, it says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her through the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So there's the continual washing. There's the first washing as we pass the labor in water baptism. But then there is the continual washing of the word of God. And it's through the continual washing of the word of God that we are presented to Christ holy and blameless without spot and without wrinkle. This labor was made from the mirrors of the women. This was very fine brass. This is what they used in Egypt as mirrors. They polished it and polished it so fine that they could see the reflection in it. And so when they got ready to make the labor, Moses called for all the mirrors of the women. When they brought their mirrors, they mellowed them down, and they made this giant magnifying glass. Because when they filled that with water in a cup form like this, it made a magnifying glass. So that when they stood there washing their hands and their feet, they could see their reflection in there. And they could see spots and wrinkles. They could see blemishes. And this is how we see things in our life by looking at the Word of God and then being washed by the Word of God. It's not those who just read the Word of God that are cleansed by it. It's those who do the Word of God that are washed by the Word of God. We wash in the Word of God as we do what we've seen. So each one of these experiences and the, the sequence in which they happen gives us understanding of the New Testament ministry and life. Now, the lampstand was made out of one piece of pure gold. 
This means that before you can build a lampstand, you have to have pure gold. And this lampstand is speaking to us of the church and the function of the church. In Revelation 1, we see the fixed revelation of the lampstand. And when we're doing studies from the Old Covenant, the Old Testament like this, we'll find that there are certain fixed revelations. And you don't deviate from what the New Testament says is the revelation. Because God has fixed certain things as the basis of understanding the rest of the things. For example, Jesus said, I am the bread that come down out of heaven from God. He who eats me lives forever. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. So the bread has a fixed revelation. That's Jesus. And we can't deviate from that. In the same way, the lampstand has a fixed revelation. In verse um, 12, he says, And I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed in a robe reaching to the feet, and girded across his breast with a uh, a golden girdle. And in verse 20, he says, As for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels or the messengers of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So he was writing to the seven churches in Asia. And the letters that he wrote in in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3 was to those seven churches. So the first revelation he saw was that the lampstand, there was one lampstand for each church in Asia. So in one location, there's one lampstand. So if he was writing to the church in Miami, he would write to the lampstand, or he would speak about the lampstand in this location, the lampstand church, the functioning church, the one in which has the seven flames of fire. So the lamp, the church now is a picture of the, or the lampstand is a picture of the church. Now, this is shocking because we've always considered that if a person was born again and baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit, that he would be a part of the church. If there was a church here, according to this verse, there should be a lampstand here. But there is no lampstand in the outer court. The lampstand is only in the holy place. Which indicates to us that every, every believer who's going to serve God as a priest and going to participate in the lampstand has to repent, be born again, have his sins forgiven, change his garments, be baptized in water, put on the new garments, have the anointing upon his head, and make a full consecration, and then receive the revelation of Jesus, the truth. The truth about who Jesus is and the truth about who he is. It is in that revelation that God prepares us for this life and ministry. If you don't see who Jesus is, then you begin to believe that you have something special. That God is pretty... Lucky 
to get you as a minister. But when you see Jesus, then you see that you're next to nothing. When you see yourself in comparison to who he is, you can no longer think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, see? See, Isaiah was prophesying very, very well for five chapters. He was speaking the word of God. But then in, the, in chapter 6, he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. High and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And all the angels were crying, Holy, holy, holy. So when he saw the Lord, he says, Woe is me. I'm finished. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. But he was speaking for God. For five chapters, he was prophesying very, very well. But when he saw the Lord, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. Then the angel come and took a coal from off the altar and touched these lips. And said, now you are cleansed. Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. So this is the, what happens when we get a revelation of who Jesus is. We realize that without him, we can do nothing. We can't say anything. We can't be anything. We can't do anything. He is the source of all ministry. So this lampstand is hammered out of one piece of gold. Gold in the Bible speaks about the character of God. It speaks about the purpose of God. And gold speaks about the sovereignty of God. As we study these pieces of furniture, we'll see that this speaks about the character of God. This table here speaks about the purpose of God, and the gold altar of incense here speaks about the sovereignty of God. And this is one life and ministry. For example, you can't say, I just want to participate in the lampstand, and I really don't have any burden to get any revelation from the showbread, and I just not into this thing of burning incense. See? You can't, you can't participate in one and not the other. Because it's a life and ministry. So you might say, the only thing I want to do is just study the Word of God and get revelation from God. I'm not interested in, in, a, in a getting hammered into one piece of gold with a bunch of other people. I'm just not interested in, in the church activity. I just want to stay home and seek God and get revelations from the showbread. But that doesn't work in here. Other people say, I don't want anything to do with the church. I, I can't, I, I just can't understand the Bible. So I just want to burn incense. You can't do that. Because it's the life and the ministry of the holy place. And it's the lampstand that illuminates the showbread from which we get the revelation to burn incense. 